Welcome back to the Sports Booth Podcast, episode 14. Yeah. Uh, Another big week of sport. We always we yes. always seem to we've just been walking into big weeks of sport, I feel, recently. It's been It's been great. <laughs> it's been great. We haven't really had to do to go digging that much. No, it's all no, come no. straight to us. The news has come to us. Yeah. Uh the events have come to us, the moments have come to us. Yeah. And, and we've 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 let them up. So as always, three major sports, rugby, rugby league, NFL. We'll touch base on all three of those, specifically Super Rugby, NRL, and the offseason in the NFL. A little bit of touch base on the Formula One, and we're going to uh, answer a couple of big questions. Now, now, normally with these podcasts, I kind of think prehand, like, what's going to be, like, the idea of the podcast? What's what's what, mm-hmm. what's going to come out? And I've already, I already know what it was. Yeah. And, and, and it's counting your chickens. Okay. You've, you've heard of the saying, counting yeah. your chickens? Yeah. Yep, yep. So after a... Uh, Dragons, miserable defeat by the hands of the Sharks. Someone got a little too cocky. Mm-hmm. Maybe that someone was me. Maybe it was. And they said, I can't wait for the podcast on Monday because, wow, it's going to be enjoyable. So I started counting my chickens a bit early. Yeah. Now, most I, most would say, yeah. Arguably the, the whole Titan squad started counting <laughs> their chickens right about the 40-minute mark. <laughs> and now some would say I was just focused on the Titans, but I counted my chickens so much over this weekend Hurricanes versus Moana Pacifica. Chickens were already counted before. Yeah, yeah. Before, before, before the game even started, the chickens mm-hmm. were counted. Titans go up twenty-two nil. I put a cheeky little message in the, in, the, in, the, in the rugby chats, uh, our, our, our rugby chats lad group, mm-hmm. saying how good are the Titans. I counted a lot of chickens this weekend. Yeah. And no, nothing's no chickens. None hatched. of them have hatched. No, they have not hatched. And it's been a tough week for me to to, to kind of overcome that, yeah. and now I have to sit here and discuss this because I was sitting there so smug. On Thursday night, thinking your dragons have fucked it. You, you know, like this is going to be a long weekend for Hughesy as my t- Titans, you know, going to win. Hurricanes put in a good performance, and it was just and Waratahs were going to lose to the Reds. Like yeah, that was already kind of like kind of given. So I thought, you know what, this is going to be one of the better podcasts that I that I get to enjoy. And uh, here we are. So the, we are. this is this is this here is this is the are. theme. Is Obviously, I've counted my chickens, so we'll go straight into Join me in misery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to be in some sad states <laughs> over this week. Yep. As good as the sport may have been, we uh, both of our teams struggled big time. And we'll go straight into it. Super Rugby, yep. result of, of, of probably the year just about, yeah. I would say. Moana Pacifica beating the Hurricanes 24-19, absolutely earning, earning everyone's now respect. Yep. And and you can't take this team easy now. No. And it's, it's opened up the... The channel for something that we said uh, we were discussing last week. It now that the Hurricanes have dropped a game, it opens up that channel for someone like the Brumbies to potentially be in the top four. And it even opens up something we wouldn't have said before the season for Moana Pacifica to probably make the top eight if they if yep. they can keep performing as they did. And it wasn't like it was the best performance in the world. Like they didn't play that well, yeah, and they got a win. And that's what I always say: good teams find ways to win. So uh, again. I'm probably counting my chickens a little bit early for Moana Pacifica here, but it was a good performance. It's a, it's a thing that, you know, not many Australian teams have had great success of, is beating a New Zealand team. Yep. The Brumbies did it with the Hurricanes last year, and this is this is what I kind of said in my little thing. It was, this is a Hurricanes thing. You're, it's a roller coaster ride. This doesn't mean the Hurricanes are out. They can beat any team on their day, but they also can also put up a performance yeah. like that. And I, Ultimate hot and cold. Definitely. A very... Imagine, imagine my life as a sports fan. All right, yeah. We have we have the Falcons, the Hurricanes, the Warriors, and the Titans. Just those four there. It's a massive chokers. <laughs> all of them. Learning something about you, Luke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. So that that was obviously historic, historic 
Super Rugby yep. game. Historic for just the, the whole competition to be moving in the right direction. We move on. Rebels finally get a win. Big yeah. Judah. Impressed enough. Still don't really think it matters. Still think the Rebels will come last. But it was a better performance by them. Brumbies in force. Yeah. Hell of a game. Yes. Incredible game. Tom Banks skittled. I think you said it best. I think it's the first time someone's been knocked out and then gotten the red card. Yeah. <laughs> Halfway <laughs> to the hospital and yeah. he's gone to go and get yeah. a red card. So that was that was kind of the game. But Brumbies, again, too good to to to, to, to lose. Yes, yep. that's 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 the thing I'm kind of getting from this season is as much as everything's happening around them, they're still too good to lose is kind of what yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah, they're, they're really a consistent Team like they're playing well as a team, definitely, and and they were missing some big names for that 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 force team. And I said it, I said it in the video that's probably dropping right about now. Manasseh Matiali from the force. If you watch the force games, and, and probably not many of you do, but boy, he he is the signing of the season. Like mm. they had nothing bar him, and it was just like he came from the Crusaders, and I'm like, man, that was a signing of the season. Onto the Blues versus Highlanders. Good to finally have fans back in New Zealand. It yep. was, that was the first thing I noticed. I was like, gosh, there's some loud noises at Forsyth Bar Stadium. Like, well, this hasn't happened all season. So that was good to see. Blues run out winners, 32-25. Crusaders get vengeance over the Chiefs in, in a top-of-the-table clash. I know mm -hmm. it's not actual top-of-the-table, but probably the two best teams going around at the moment, 34-19. And finally, your Waratahs succumb to the Reds, 32-20. Yep. Severely depleted Waratahs. I think for... The amount of talent that was missing from the team is a pretty good effort uh, for the players that we had out there. I think I think you'd still, and again, Darren Coleman probably holding them to the highest highest standard. You'd be a little yeah. disappointed purely because of the opportunities you had when it was thirteen and fifteen, and you still couldn't make it yep. make it work. Again, it's a it's a step. Like I, I see this in the video, I said, like this team last year's Waratahs team would never have been having put no. a performance like that out there with the depleted troops you had. So. Uh, and a good game. And Coleman as well, he missed the game, I believe, because he was yeah, away yeah. with COVID and stuff. So, look, everything was stacked against the Waratahs. I think if they'd won, it would have been the win of the season. Like, it was all the odds were against them. And that's in the same week that Pacifica beat Hurricanes. I think if the Waratahs had pulled that out, it was more of an upset. Um, but, yeah, look, you know, the Waratahs aren't a finished product by any means. They're literally rebuilding. They're resetting. So, well, you, ta you take whatever positive signs you can take. Definitely. I, I, I don't see them missing the finals. I see them... Sitting around their eighth position, yeah. but I've already obviously got what, what one prediction wrong. I thought the Brumbies would float for, <laughs> fall below the Waratahs, and mm. they've they've proven me wrong. But I'm going to go into the a, a bigger point, and, and and what we're going to probably sit down and discuss for a good ten minutes now is how we're fixing Super Rugby. Uh, obviously, declining viewership and attendance has been happening in Super Rugby for a long time. They got greedy. We got to Super Rugby 14. They got greedy. They wanted wanted too much, and they went to Super Rugby 18. And ever since then, it's kind of yeah. been like a snowball effect. Now there is improvements. I'm not saying we've we've already taken a step forward with this competition. Australia in Australia it took a massive step forward last year with the Super Rugby Australian competition. Yeah, it was the highest attendance in, in that that final Super A Rugby AU final in in a long time in Australian rugby, and that's that's a great step. Now, yeah. One thing to fix, and, and I'm hoping it's slowly going to get fixed, is obviously the skill level of the Australian teams. Because when you're getting beaten for, what was it, like 46-1 and one or 42-1 or something that we that the New Zealand teams went on a run on, when that was happening, it's yeah, it's hard to support your team no matter what because you know you're never going to win the competition. Mm. So you saw when Super Rugby Australia got released and there's a chance for someone to actually win it. It's like, yep. hey, so... This New Zealand travelling over and actually getting some wins against New Zealand team is going to be massive for Australia. 
Absolutely. That's the first thing. So we've taken a good step. I think mm -hmm. we haven't expanded too far and we've expanded all right now. So I've just got, I've kind of got so, some information here and I'll scroll down through it. Apologies. The attendance level has dropped off uh, every season steadily from 2015 uh, until till kind of last year we hit a the, the high of the 41,000 people at that um, final last year. Now, I've got a few things that I want to discuss today about Super Rugby and kind of get your opinion on. So my first thing is this is obviously a franchise we've gone with. So, you know, yep. the Super Rugby, the Hurricanes are a franchise, the Reds are a franchise. We haven't gone with the club-based system. We've chosen the American-based system type mm -hmm. thing. So we've done that. I think it's probably the best way to do it unless you pushed money into the clubs and we did a, um, you know, an English football-type system where it was club-based. Yep. I think we've made our decision. We live with it. This has been happening for the past 20, 22, 23 years. Why, why do we not take some of that stuff that America has done so well with their franchise-based systems and bring it over here? So to start off with, a combine... You know, yep. That transfers, free agency, salaries. I, I would love to again. It's it's. I understand it's deep to know a, a play a person's salary. It is deep to think, and especially when they're not making quite the money of a Tyreek Hill, mm -hmm. who will touch base later, Devante Adams, all that. But still, to have that information there to get the news stories, to know that Bowden Barrett has signed a million dollar deal with New Zealand Rugby. Yeah, I think would be fantastic for the game. First thoughts on that. Uh, look, the, the NRL take a sort of middle path where they don't release full salary information, but you kind of get rumours about the salary or what their, what you, you kind of the total amount is. You don't get the full breakdown of what it is, but you get the, you get an idea get the uh, of it. And that's big, that's, you know, big news cycle stuff for the, for the NRL. So yeah, I definitely think Super Rugby could benefit from that. The Combine, I'm a little bit, and stuff like that, I'm a bit hesitant on. It's sort of uh, what level like do you do that for um like high so essentially with the nfl you finish college or you, you from college you declare for the draft is do we do that oh, that won't work for rugby because you play younger so do you do it at end of high school so you come out of high school and then you have the combine and then have the draft that way thing is though is that there's a, a hell of a lot of rugby players around but a lot fewer spots than there is compared to, I guess, the the NFL. Whereas the, the, the NFL, you know that uh, if you have a full seven-round draft, you've got all seven picks, at least six out of seven are guaranteed to make the roster. And more often times than not, your full complement of draft picks will make the roster or make someone else's roster. With Super Rugby, there's too few clubs and too few positions. Um in, in rugby, you've got 15 positions uh, and then you've got a bench, right? So, you know, let's say 23 spots. Yep. In NFL, you've got two 11-man squads, essentially offense and defense, so 11 starters, plus you've got your backups and then your backups for your backups. You've also got your practice squad and things like that. You've got specialist players, you've got specialist role players and things like that. There's a lot more positions on offer for someone to be able to, to take a spot. So, and then as well, uh, with the NFL getting drafted by a team, like imagine if you're a kid in suburban New South Wales and you get drafted by the Western Force and have to go to go and live in Perth, uproot your life to, to the other end of the country. You're going to be wanting to be paid 
a pretty decent chunk of change for that. Um, and in the NFL, you do. You do get a decent chunk of change for that. Super rugby, probably not so much. So you then have to th- think, well, you know, is it worth it for for me for me as a player to do that? And it, it might not be. That being said, I do like the overall concept and I do think that more can be made out of it. I think that the media reporting around Super Rugby definitely needs to step up because I think the product itself is entertaining and can get better. I think it's the peripheral stuff around the product that should be improved. I think the franchises themselves can do more. I think Super Rugby as a whole can do more, and I think the media partners can do more as well. Okay, that was some really good answers to exactly what I wanted to kind of go down the line. So this has worked out very well. I didn't even plan how well this would work out. But now here's my big plan. I want to, this is my concept, all right? So what I want is this is a franchise based thing now. Any player who plays in the Super Rugby competition, yeah, can play for whatever club, whatever team. Mm -hmm. So Hurricanes, Waratahs, can play for the All Blacks or can play for the Wallabies, can play for. Anyone, okay? So, you know, like, you've got the ghetto law. We've got... Obviously, you want homegrown talent, but you can also play for anyone. So, here's what I'm picturing, all right? Bowden Barrett went to the Hurricanes, then ended up in Auckland playing for the Blues. Don't tell me he wouldn't have fought if there was the opportunity, if Sydney was bigger and everything and rugby was bigger here, let's say, but the opportunity to push his brand bigger in Sydney and to still be able to play for the All Blacks there wouldn't have been at least a contract on the table from the Waratahs. Yep. So so that's my first thing. So then it comes to the second thing where I'm going with this combine, okay? So what I would say would happen is you have a combine of high school leavers, all right? You can, you know, you, you know if you're decent enough and you can get invited to combine if you want to put your name forward, boom, 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 everything like that. You can turn up. You do a draft, okay? What then happens is a player goes on a rookie deal. Again, we can sort out the logistics of it, let's say three years, mm-hmm. because they're probably about 18, maybe four at max, you know, rookie contracts, as you do. Now, with that rookie contract, the team can decide what to do with that player as much as they want. So like you said, you had your New South Wales suburban player gets drafted by the force, okay? So the force can go, okay, you know what? Stay in New South Wales, play Shoot Shield for whoever you want to play for, but we'll keep the tabs on you. We've drafted you. We've got the rights to you. Okay. And that for there, that, that's there. Now, again, I get your point with playing sizes, everything like this. I had a light bulb moment in the shower. Showering, light bulb moment. Mm-hmm. Kind of thought, I'm really interested to see how these midweek games are going to go with Moana Pacifica. Game on tomorrow against the Blues. I'm really interested to see. Because what I would love to see, and now we're going to take a bit of, we're going to take a bit of ideas from everyone, okay? I don't know how feasible it is, but what I would love is get the top six teams in Super Rugby who finish top six, top six teams in the Japanese one league. Yep. All right, and there's an Asian Europe Asian Championship. Yeah. Like UEFA, and we yeah. discussed this. Yeah, yeah. So the top six teams from both three pools of four, it all works out. Ready, ready, rah. There's some way you make it in. Their midweek games for Wednesdays, okay, fall mm-hmm. during the season. So Super Rugby so forth, yep. then those games full midweek. Then you've got a bit more, like we've seen at the moment. This Blues team has now is now debuting, debuting about six or seven guys to play in this minor Pacific game. Three-day turnaround, you have to do it. Okay. I'm just thinking, you know, more game time for some of these younger guys. It's not the be-all, end-all, but it's still a competition you'd love to win. So you've got a bigger 
overall roster of active players, but your squad your squad remains the same size, but you rotate the players and out. So that's that's sort of like hockey or baseball, I guess. Kind yeah, of, yeah exactly. Got... A triple A, double A type thing yep. like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's what I'm thinking. Again, they're doing an under twenties um, New Zealand Super Rugby. I think yeah. that could be potentially a full yes. under twenties thing. And again, then you have players then. Okay, sweet. You're you're playing shoot shield, and then we fly you over to play for our Western Force, or you mm. bus over. Again, I think I think there's so much potential there that we're not there using. Is. I the the concern that I have with the allowing like New Zealand players to be drafted in Australia is uh, then the knock on effect of that because if we if we look at it, the the talent in New Zealand there is more talent in New Zealand than there is Australia, so more New Zealand players would get drafted than Australian players. So what happens when, and this is, I'm sort of being a bit of a hyperbolic here, but what happens when Super Rugby, all the teams are just all full of New Zealand players? I think that could impact negatively on the development of Australian players. That's, I, the, that's a concern. It might be a bit blown out of proportion, but that is a concern. No, I, I agree, totally. You don't, that was the last thing you would want. So you'd obviously put a limit on it. So you'd yeah. say, okay, let's say seven. Seven in your squad could be New Zealanders from here. Yeah. Like, they do it in England. You can only have so many international. I know there's, yep. but you can only have so many visa holders and stuff like that. Okay. Yep. So you'd put a limit on that, and that 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 would be the whole competition, I think. And that would be yep. like, man, this is monetary value again. Transfers. There's a guy. I, I spent about two minutes before this podcast remembering his name, and it's gone out my gone in my ear out the there. But he's he's played a game for the Crusaders already. He just got transferred to play for Moana Pacifica this weekend. Mm-hmm. No news at all. Again, it goes under yeah. the radar. That should be something massive. Like again, even if it's a free deal and they just want him to have some more game time. Yeah, I want to know that stuff. I want to see that this guy's moved from here to here. I want to. Again, there's just so much missing there that I think is an opportunity. Yeah. Second second point, I have, and it was interesting. I was looking at some stats, 2015 to 2017. Uh, crowds and everything like that. And it, they actually did a really good job. Stuff NZ, I don't know who did it, but uh, the reporting, um, big reporting company in, in New Zealand. So average crowd for Super Rugby, the Avia Premiership, Top 14 and Pro 14. Super Rugby leads uh, with just, just a tad under 14 and a half. Then it's Avia Premiership with 14,000 uh, people. Top 14 with about 13,000. And then Pro 14 with about 9,000. So that's your average um people go into a game during 2015 to 2017. So Super Rugby's still ahead. Um, when we look into like the the actual sizes of the, the crowd, so the capacity taken of the stadiums, Super Rugby sits at 38%, whereas Avia is 75, Top 14, 73, Pro 14, 62. Then there's there's a comparison of change. So we've lost, and in in, in from 15 to 17, we've lost 24% of um, attendance. So... That's not so much a problem. My thing here is looking at that, the stadiums we're playing at are too big. And I think what you want is smaller stadiums where the crowd sees it, the atmosphere is bigger. Yeah. It's it's not the sport it once was. And I, I don't mind again a game one off in the FCG, you know, a Waratah's Reds, yeah. fiery clash. You have those. You definitely have those. Don't take it away. But I look at the Hurricanes playing at Westpac. Lucky if they get 15,000, which is half the stadium. Looks terrible. It's a terrible atmosphere. And we just keep going away from these smaller stadiums. Whereas it's shown in Europe that it's actually, it works. Mm. The capacity of a stadium being filled. And I know the past couple of years, obviously, with COVID. But I just, I see there, I go, we want to make the best product possible. We want to make everything here, here, here. Yeah. This is the way to do it. Yeah. I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. 
Um, and I think as well, like looking at your comparison, that you can see different tiers of the New Zealand competition. I think that's something Australia can can take from and to embrace the shoot shield level or have an under 20s competition and things like that. That needs to be sort of more formally aligned with Super Rugby, I think. Uh, you know, have your shoot shield, have the Queensland version of that. You know, Western Australia, Victoria, have them all associated with the Force, with the Waratahs, with the Rebels, with the Reds. You know, you can have half of New South Wales split between uh, Waratahs and uh, Brumbies and things like that. Have them all formally uh, sort of associated, you know, I guess like in NBA, they've got their D-League teams, right? Everyone's got a D-League team associated with them. Uh, looking at esports, uh, League of Legends pro teams have got academy teams associated with them. Uh, in uh, EPL, they've got their under-23s and stuff like that. So they've got those lower-level teams that are still associated with them. And, you know, how much more pride will those players play with? You know, if you're playing in Shoot Shield level, you're affiliated with Waratahs. You know, you know that you're level below Waratahs and you could get called up into the Waratahs at any time. And then that way as well, these clubs have got um, a talent pool ready. They know, okay, we've got these clubs to have our players in. Let's, in our draft system, let's draft someone and keep them in this feeder club until we feel ready to, to pull them into the system. So I think having more tiers of play and having them more formally associated with Super Rugby, I think is 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 going to be, it will also will help all of these things, including crowd numbers. And I agree with that. And that was my second like kind of yeah. shower idea that popped into my head was, okay, so you've got your franchise model, but why can't we actually break down and do both models in our club games? Well, yeah. You've got a dominant cl- club um, attendance, dominant club game here. It used to be bigger, but yeah, it's still dominant. Uh, obviously, r- Australia rugby went through what it went through. It's still the dominant form. So I kind of went... I know New Zealand, we've got the ITM Cup or the New Zealand Cup or whatever it's called, the mm. MPC, a national provincial competition. I know you don't have something similar, but what I was thinking is actually I would prefer if those na- na- national provincial competitions, we actually made that a club base. So Wellington Rugby Union, yeah. based out of Westpac Stadium, became a club. And my, my home team, which is called Northern United, based out of Porirua, was a club. Now, then you tear it down. So your top level is obviously... Our top level is the MPC. So here, your top level, you'd make a top level of all the top shoot shield in, in Queensland yeah. rugby teams, and you'd have different levels. And then when it gets down to the lower level stuff, that's when you can break it down into states and stuff yeah. like that. Like you look, I went so played a year in in the Netherlands, and the top grade is top two or maybe three grades are all national. You can go everywhere now. Everywhere yeah. is a three hour bus trip at max. Yeah, from one end to the other end in the Netherlands. From there, they break it down like fourth division is breaking down into northeast southeast you know all those i'm like that is exactly what i would be doing here i'd be looking to go i want to see teams make that step up yeah and then you have yet you're the best team in the in the country again i know i know a team in auckland like ponsonby who who's who's rich in in history and and rugby playing would love to take a step out and challenge the likes of auckland who would be able to play out at eden park you know like they've got the bigger money that would still be there i think that keeps that game alive you could do that in, like you said, yeah. New Zealand and Australia separate it, but there's feeder teams. You'd see a lot more players coming through, I feel. I just, there's a lot, I'm yeah. like... They, they, had a, they had something like that a couple of years ago, like the National Rugby Championship or something. I don't think it was the best executed idea ever. I think the build-up for it was really bad. I think if, when you bring in a competition like that, you've got to overload the media. You've got to really, um, like do a lot of reveals of the club names, the club logos, inaugural captains, and things like that really build up the media part of it. And I think the media and marketing 
of Super Rugby is really what lets it down because um, there's a even at just the Super Rugby level, there's a lot of history with each of of the clubs. Even the new ones, they've got um, unique culture based on where they're from. You know, like Western Force have got you know we were um, out of the competition, and then we came back in to help save Super Rugby during COVID. You know, much like South Sydney say about themselves in the NRL and things like that. Uh, you know, Melbourne Rebels were a new kid on the block, but we're, you know, fighting to, for our spot. Fiji uh, and the Moana Pacifica, they've got, obviously, inbuilt crowds, national um, crowds and things like that. So I feel like marketing is 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 my main thing for Super Rugby that needs to step up, that they just don't put a lot of effort into. Yeah, and I, and I think all of these ideas would help, you know. Like, yeah. it gives you content, instant content yeah. to know... Bowden Barrett signing with the Waratahs. What yep. a what a surprise to the world, you know. Just instant content. It just, yeah. To me, it's right. like that. And I, I wouldn't even go down like I know you had the NRC. I wouldn't even go down that route. Yeah. I would I would literally the club idea is where it's at. And I yeah. I truly believe even if you said like we do, like we discuss just then with Super Rugby having the midweek games. If you said okay, we're going to make our Shoot Shield Queensland Premier League like the top top club teams is going to be like as semi-pro as it gets like they're, they're pretty much paid players yeah. just about if you, you can make them on the you know the minimum wage possible to to keep the competition running and everyone can do that then you would say okay you just play your normal competition but midweek you play against each other and there's a this yeah. this big uh, you know national club competition so i don't know that's where i think a lot of clubs are getting left behind and just mm. club rugby is getting forgotten about when i'm like surely we could be doing like English football, there's diehard fans just because it's their local club. Yeah, like that absolutely. is what their local club is. It's always been. Even Manchester United, at some point, was just a local club. Now we've decided to go with the franchise model for Super Rugby, but it doesn't mean we can't push that club exactly. model. So okay. I don't know. That's just me. That's I've, I've, I'm, I'm obviously hardy on this, and I'm going to keep pushing this because I think as much as Super Rugby has improved the past yeah. two years, and because it's needed to improve, but there's still more we could be doing. And I'm just like, I, I feel like. Rugby as a profession is a is a bunch of old white guys sitting around a table, yeah. and not wanting to, a bit scared to do too much. And again, it's a, it sounds weird. You got Fiji Dura and Pacifica coming in, but it was like it felt like that was a checkbox rather than let's change the game. Yeah, here. it need they need someone like what Peter Volandis has done for the NRL. Then you need that figure, whoever that is, wherever they come from, get someone like that in that's not afraid to shake things up. That and he he really benefited from COVID because he needed to save the sport from an immediate threat like that. It's harder with Super Rugby because um, there's no immediate threat like COVID to galvanise things. Not anymore. Like, COVID's still around. But there was a chance during COVID for someone like that to make those changes for Super Rugby. But that opportunity's gone now. But you still there's still an opportunity for someone with that type of personality, with that type of vision to come in and make these kind of changes to shake the foundations of everything and to bring the product into the, the 21st century. Because at the moment, it's still a arguably 20th century product. It needs to be it needs to be brought into the future. Hundred percent uh, agree. And again, that's I was thinking, who is the the head or the chairman of? Yeah. So what, nobody knows. Eh? Yeah, we, we the last memorable figure from the executive level of. Uh, rugby in Australia was railing castle. And we all know how that ended. <laughs> yeah. So you do need the opposite of that again. But but you need someone like exactly. just even as a Super Rugby competition to hey, my name's Luke Bowden. I'll happily put my name down for the chairman of Super Rugby, and I will run this competition into the ground. Um, 
But I mean, here's you could do it. Hey, sports yeah. people get involved. We yeah. could do this. Well, uh, we've got very, uh, very competitive consulting fees. <laughs> our rates, our rates, I guarantee, will be much lower than anyone else's. <laughs> yeah. Borderline, do it for free. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to say a four twenty and a VB. Yes, that's that is that is what we're we're, we're passionate, obviously, about Super Rugby, uh, and, and I I like what we're seeing at the moment. But I just I'm like, where where is this going to progress to? Where it's not just going to be the same thing year after year, you know? Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, your team's doing well, you get more crowds in. Your team's not doing so well, you lose crowds, and it just kind of feels like it's that at the moment. And I want I want to be excited because you know the Hurricanes have just inked a trade to get a first round draft pick and yeah. sent Geordie Barrett to. The Chiefs or something, you know. I want to. I want to go. Okay, this isn't our season, but I've got. I see a plan. I see a vision. You yeah. know. And I want to. I honestly wouldn't mind seeing more European talent being brought in. Like expand, expand the pool kind of thing. Also, sorry, just need to clarify. I meant a four and twenty pie, not four twenty. Like, <laughs> like four and twenty pie. Four and twenty. <laughs> yeah, no New Zealander who listens to this will know what it. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> it's a meat pie. Yeah, what yeah, is, yeah, yeah. What, what's your equivalent? What's your stadium food in New Zealand? Actually, like Australia, it's pretty. Pretty set, you know. Like you can get a meat pie, or you can get a hot yeah, dog. You can get pies and you uh, burgers. We're yeah. big on burgers. It's pretty average. Yeah. Um, actually, just recently the Westpac got taken over by someone else, and they do some things. Fish and chips is massive. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, yeah it's, so it's pre- pretty si- pretty similar. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's very similar. Except every time I go to the, a game here, I get a warm pie, and it's like I'm always bitterly disappointed. Uh, it's not hot enough for no, you. No, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I never I get it. Yeah. I, I'm I, like, the last time I had good stadium food. Was like five years ago at an ANZ stadium, and it was like a half decent hot dog, but it was massively overpriced. Yeah. Now yeah. it's just like it's just, they just don't care. Like it's a very average. It's like a below average hot dog. They'll charge you premium prices for, and just look at you like, what did you expect? Yeah. And they'll yeah. pour the drink out of the can for you and say that'll be nine dollars. Like, <laughs> yeah. That can cost two bucks. If that. Anyway. Uh, no, very true. Very true. Yeah, that's that also needs to be improved. Making the, the that's a, that's actually another point is making the stadium experience itself much better. Recently, actually, when we attended the first game of season, Waratahs versus the Jura, um, I asked my my dad to to come with me when we were organizing tickets for the game. And at first, he said no. He's like, you know, why would I go? The tickets are too expensive. The food's really shit, and that's also too expensive. And, you know, getting there is always a hassle because, you know, it's, it's not planned for. Um, we eventually wore him down and he did come, but he, he raised very good points. You know, the in-stadium experience needs to be better. The best sporting experiences have got the best stadium experience. Like, I will never forget the Super Rugby final where the Waratahs finally won their title against the Crusaders because it was an electric atmosphere in the stadium. Now, of course, you're not going to get that every single time that you go there, but you can improve the experience you can make it better for for everyone you can make it easier for your average person to to go along to and that means that's not just a super rugby thing but that is also um like a state and national thing to you know improve infrastructure to get people to go to these games because that stimulates local economy and at the end of the day everyone benefits from that so there needs to be a concerted effort of how do we get people into the stadiums better and, you know, there are things out there like um, deals for public transportation um, if you're going to go see the game. But it's advertised so poorly. Um, and, yeah, it really needs to hit mainstream media more. And it, it's going to sound funny saying it, but I think a lot of Super Rugby and some and sort of sports in general in Australia rely too much on social media. Your target market 
isn't quite fully integrated onto social media just yet. Like you're probably just a little bit ahead of the curve of advertising everything on social media. And I think overall, and this is a global thing, I think the importance of social media is still a little bit too overhyped. I think traditional media still pulls numbers that social media is nowhere near approaching just yet. And so you need to hit the advertising on your Freddie Air TV, on your you know sunrise in the morning, on your uh, morning show on Channel 9 and things like that. That's where you need to be putting some advertising, having some segments on there and things like that because that is what will bring in the audience that you want, which is the audience that has the disposable cash, which is, you know, get or, or is, is stable enough to be able to go to these games and bring their kids along and bring that next generation in. So I think mainstream media needs to take more of a front step in this and ease back off on the social media part of it. Like the deal for getting free public transportation or cheaper public transportation for games, I see that occasionally splashed about Twitter or Facebook or something. I don't see it on the TV. And that's where most people still get their news and everything like that. And that's a good example. Like Golden Boy, Mr. Hooper, mm. again, I know he, he's he's warranted not to have to do anything in the world yeah. because of what he's done for Australian rugby. But if I was the Waratahs, I would have been like, do any interview you can at this time when yeah. you're injured. Get on Sunrise. Let's Absolutely. get you around. Let's get those beautiful locks getting yeah. getting down and getting busy. And that's, for, that's on the clubs and Super Rugby itself, like needing to push that. Like that's what you have your marketing people for. And yeah, you're exactly right. Like the Mike Hooper is back this week and it's like, and he's been, you know, putting in the squad. You see that occasionally splash around Facebook stuff, but you don't see it on uh, TV. You know, I think the sports segments are very um, lackluster on super rugby. And, you, and that's even with someone like Matt Burke presenting sports segments on TV, marketing and like the, the overall executive level of super rugby needs to be pushing television channels to, push that more, especially someone like Channel 9, who is now the home of rugby. So, you know, it's 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 going to be a slow process, but you need to get the population back around to Super Rugby and getting that sort of stuff out there because more and more fans are going to the NRL and, God forbid, the AFL, you know, <laughs> and A-League and things like that. Like, yep. there's so much competition out there now for a very limited audience. You've got to be doing everything you can and not sparing any effort to get people to come to these games. Yeah, and and you made a good uh, point with, with the stadium experience. Tickets over here are very expensive compared yeah. to back home. And and even that, like I said, smaller stadiums, man, like you get get the atmosphere going, you get people. I know us New Zealand and Australian fans aren't great with chants and stuff like that yeah. and supporting, but you put people into a 15 grand stadium, 15,000 stadium for a Hurricanes versus Crusaders and it's full. Yeah. That experience would be so much better than being 15,000 at Westpac yeah. already. So again, I know I know the Wellington Phoenix in New Zealand tried to to sort out a deal to get a stadium built out in the hut. It got got squashed pretty quickly, but I'm like, surely you've got enough teams and you've got enough teams in the area mm. to be able to do this. I mean, Lightheart was, I thought, was fantastic when, when yep. the Waratahs went to Lightheart. It was pretty shitty weather as well and stuff. So, again, once when you get you get these small stadiums, I think that, that, that'll change the game a little bit, just getting yeah. people out to it. Rugby, obviously, passionate. Straight on to the NRL. We'll waste no time. Yeah. Uh, we always do this every week since the NRL started. The good bag and the ugly. Uh, this week, again, I will start. So my good... I've got the season, and I'm going to yeah. touch on this base on my one big question. So I'm going to hold off with my good, but the season. Just just hold that thought. The bad, the Roosters. Now, I predicted them to win. Mm. They're one and two, and they beat a manly side who, you know, are still finding their feet and take four games to find their feet. 
And what I saw against the Rabbits, not impressed at all. And they're still yet to impress me. And I, I, on paper, this team's fantastic. And I'm just, I don't know what's missing at the moment. And it has me a little bit nervous. Yeah. Where did you pick them to finish again? First. Yeah. yeah. Top top dogs. Yeah. 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 Mm. Reconsidering that one at all? I'm not reconsidering it because it's early season, but I just didn't expect this. I didn't expect this from a Trent Robinson coach team. I didn't expect this from the team that I see on paper to what they've put out yeah. there. It just it's been clunky. The attack's been clunky and that's what I've I've probably been most disappointed with. Yeah, they're not they don't look like their usual selves. I was actually chatting to a coworker today who's a Roosters fan and she was saying that Tedesco is usually so calm and he doesn't rush things, but he was rushing things against the Rabbitohs and uh, yeah, they just seemed agitated. He looked yeah. a little bit agitated, like things weren't going their way, and it yep. was like that was built built up as such a big game, a trail back, the incident, and they didn't really fire a shot. To be honest, like you yep. know, like I was just like, wow, a Rabbitohs team who's zero and two, you know, mm. battling, haven't looked that great. Only turned it on against the Storm in the last five minutes, and that's all they've yep. really done. And that's what you put out there. I did get get some flack on Instagram from one James Winston about. Keeping the South so low in my power rankings <laughs> last week. Safe to say they have climbed this week and climbed significantly. And yeah, this this week's power rankings. Uh, it's a tough job you've a, got. I must it's, say it's, it's, it's a big shakeup. I'll say that much. <laughs> the only thing that's stayed consistent is the Panthers at the top, and and deservedly so. Yeah, my ugly. Now it's the Raiders and the Titans, and it's my <laughs> Titans and my. I f- I feel like it's my Raiders now. Now I only say it's ugly because. We saw both of them play 40 minutes of top eight football yep. and play 40 minutes of bottom eight football. And this has been the issue with the Titans and the Raiders is the inconsistencies, yep. and that is what is my ugly. I am a Titans supporter. They should have won that game. The Raiders, I think, came back and deservedly won the game in the end. Like They were, I think, in that second half, head and shoulders better than us. And I was just sat there and I was... This, this is tough to watch when I kind of support yep. both teams but would prefer much prefer a Titans win. It was kind of the worst result in the end because neither of them really gave me spark when I said the Raiders were going to finish like third and the mm-hmm. Titans were going to finish like sixth, fifth. The the the, the halves where they played like bottom eight teams was bad, was really bad. Yep. And the halves when they played like top eight teams was good and really good. And I was like, both those teams need to work their shit out. Yep. However, Jack Wyden did get another three or, or two uh, Dally in points, so he's sitting in that in that yep. category. So I'll, I'll take that if that's all I can say from the game. Over to you, Hughesy. All right. So uh, the good look. Actually, this week the the good's probably the hardest thing to pick out from from everything because there was a lot of good uh, around the NRL this week. I, I am going to set a precedent this week. This would be the first week I don't mention. Dragons in any of the three categories. Oh, so, so my good wow. this week... Not the ugly? <laughs> oh, no, no. I've got a very special idea. No, the good this week uh, has to be uh, Stone Cold Ray Stone. Oh, the Parramatta oh, Eels. Oh, the oh, heroics. Yes. Literally putting his body on the line for the way. The only man chasing the ball. First career double. Tears his ACL out for the season, but puts it all there for his team. A true, a true underdog heroic effort. And beating the Melbourne Storm to top it all off, beating the Storm, and I think this marks uh, three in a row for the Parramatta Eels over the Melbourne Storm, which is unheard of to be three in a row against the Storm. So good is Ray Stone, and by extension the the Eels. Um, honorable mention to Sean Lane for the charge down uh, yeah. as well. Um, yeah, look, that was a great game to watch. That was two really good teams going at it, hammer and tongs. Um, and yeah, I just want to say when when you saw my pick and I picked Parramatta, is that what 
made you change your pick to Parramatta because it was no, it was, no, it was Harry Grant. Was being out. Out. It was yeah. Harry Grant. I'm going to claim that you saw my pick and that was <laughs> sure. the reason. But I, no, was, I also, I was like, oh, oh, if he doesn't change this, I'm in for something here. Yeah, that was <laughs> Harry Grant being out. Um, yeah. All right, my bad. Uh, yeah, the the Roosters were in in contention for the bad there, uh, but no, it's the Brisbane Broncos. The Brisbane Broncos um, shattering the hopes of Brisbane fans out there and my own expectations for how the season would turn out because the Cowboys in week one truly looked like the worst team in their NRL and now they've had two weeks in a row of very convincing victories. We, we were like everyone else. I just want to say, yeah. you, you can call us out for saying the Cowboys were bad, but everyone said it. Like, it yeah. wasn't just At us. least you have credit. I can give you credit for saying Todd Payton's got some more. He's a better I knew Todd Payton. I knew yeah. I, there was one person I trusted, and it's only because of what he did with the Warriors. And I yeah. was like, if someone's going to work this out, it's him. So, yeah, my bad is the Broncos for making me believe in them and then turning out to be the same old Broncos. And they wore those glorious collared jerseys Looking as well. Beautiful, I know. Yeah, yeah. and just shitting the bed completely. Uh, on to my ugly. Uh, has to be our tips. I think we went three from eight this week, <laughs> and we both didn't. We didn't have unified picks, but we both went three out of eight. I'm sitting on fifty percent for the season. You're sitting just under fifty percent. Oh, nice. So our tips are looking very, very ugly. But see, what I'm going to start doing because I did it in uh, for the. Super Rugby, and I'm going to start putting out stories on Instagram yep. because I'm keeping receipts, people, because yes. just because we miss picks, you also miss picks, like yep. the Hurricanes, uh, like the Dura. No one picked the Dura. Mm -hmm. You only just picked the Crusaders, all right? So like some of us. Yeah. Some of us. So I'm going to start doing it with the NRL because if you can't beat us, then I can feel a little bit better, better yeah, about ourselves. Yeah. But if you can, then maybe we're just shit and yeah, we probably should we be might, tipping. Yeah, we might. I must, we must put a, a notable... Uh, uh, I guess an unnotable mention, unfavorable mention yeah. to Mitch Barnett for a cheeky oh, elbow. Yeah, that was Jesus. Biggest that was brain very, explosion. Very, very bad. It, it was just, again, it was, you sat there and you're like, what? Like, yeah. you can get like, and, and this is what I said, this probably happens in 99% of rugby mm. league games that aren't televised. Yeah. You run through, you'll check them, and he's probably just thought, yep, well, this is what I do in yeah. backyard footy, and bang, just... Yeah, no, so that was that. And another shout-out also to the Tigers, who couldn't beat a 12-man Warriors team for the last oh, 10 minutes. Yeah. That was ugly as well. So shout-out to those teams. Yeah, I've also got, um, for my cousin James, uh, an honourable good, bad, and ugly, and all of three of them are Sean Lane. Good for his charge down, bad for his errors that led to him having to do that charge down. <laughs> and the ugly is just his head. Just <laughs> pretty ugly. So, oh, yeah. lordy. Uh, so, yeah, that leads me on. My good was the season. And my one big question, back to this, Husey, mm -hmm. is this going to be the closest season we ever had? So we just spoke about how bad the Cowboys looked and then they wiped the floor with the Broncos. The Broncos, you know, pretty decent wins the past two yep. weeks. Is, uh, that maybe not. That South team, even though there was no Latrell, they still yep. beat them. I look, I go, Tigers, as much as we can rip on them and say they're ugly – the Warriors aren't a good team. Neither are the Tigers. Yeah. They're not They're not great, but they'll be competitive. We saw it against the Storm. We've seen mm -hmm. the Warriors be competitive. Your Dragons, who, you know, even though they got blown out against Sharks, have been in games. Yep. That, well, I think that's the bottom three or four at the moment. I don't yeah. know if someone else is down there. The Bulldogs, again, one point lost to Manly. It's like, yeah. is this going to be the closest season? Uh, I think because of how the results will stack out, it might not be the closest season in terms of what we actually see in the standings. But I think in terms of how the game, the, the results of the actual games, yeah. I think yes. I think uh, it's like what you said last week with the, the rules being your good. I think the rules have 
are as close to as um, as perfect as, as we can kind of get, as we've ever been. Yeah. Uh, and it's allowing for great results. And it's it's allowing for comebacks like the Raiders got over the Titans. You know, it's once you're behind, you're not out. Yeah, last um, year it was that momentum you were yeah. done. If you if you couldn't capture that momentum back, it was already it was over. Now this season it's like actually yeah. you get a penalty in your forty, that momentum you can slow the game down, you can go, okay, let's get back to our sets. I, I will say that um tipping this year is a lot harder than tipping last year. Definitely. So you don't know who's yeah. gonna beat who, and that's exactly. what I think is 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 make it what's tough. I must say I said how great the rules were. You said one thing was the HIA, mm. and yes, this this needs a big look at. When Kurt Mann gets sent for an HIA after getting kicked in the non-head, well, a different uh, the second head. head. Yeah, <laughs> we we've got some problems there. There's, yep. there's still some questions we need answered. But yeah, I think I think we're potentially in for the closest season. Like it wouldn't surprise me if the Cowboys, you know, yeah, next week go out and lose. And just get beaten and get the floor wiped for them, and then the week after, you know, turn up and stuff. And I don't think we're going to see consistently like you know lots of teams winning like the the Panthers. I know, think they're, they're going to be the closest. I think as it be three and zero without Nathan Cleary is a massive upbeat. But and again, without without Toto as well this last week too. Like, but even with that, they're, they're, they're a fantastic team. Yeah, they haven't been polished. Like I go, Mitch Barnett doesn't do that. That game's a lot closer. You know, yeah. like that game, the, the Newcastle Knights stayed in that fight for a long time before they finally. So I'm like, man, we could be in for one of, one of the better seasons you just about ever see. I think like yep. any day on their team, you can say, oh, you know, they're the favourites, but fuck, anyone could actually beat anyone. Yep. And with that, we move on to the NFL off-season, which, okay. you know, not quite as big of a week. Yeah, but still some big signings out there. Uh, particularly uh, the biggest one is Tyreek Hill, the, the trade between the Chiefs and the Dolphins. A uh, lot of draft capital for the, the Chiefs. Um, and a lot of cap space as well. The Dolphins, more weapons for Tua, or maybe Tom Brady. We've talked about as well. Lots of rumours there. Uh, then uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling to the Chiefs to sort of replace Hill. Juju Smith-Schuster to the Chiefs as well. Um, so they're sort of building a different sort of wide receiver core. They're sort of going away from... Uh, Patrick Mahomes got two weapons, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Now it's sort of... We've got... Maybe not as good as Tyreek Hill, but we've got talent. We've got more pieces there, so he's got more targets. They might not have the same impact that Tyreek has, but combined, they might have more, and they're cheaper as well. Uh, Matt Ryan to the Colts, your uh, your boy uh, in the blue. This is the Colts now fourth different starting quarterback four years in a row, which is not a good thing for a franchise. Uh, Mariota though to the Falcons, I think that is actually a very underrated signing. I think he can do really good things there. And I think he was sort of put in a Titan system that wasn't really designed for him. I think if you put him back in the Titan system now, he'd be doing pretty well for himself because when he was in it, he had no weapons. Uh, and Derek Henry wasn't playing as well as he's playing now. Uh, so, yeah, a, a quieter week, but still uh, a, a positive week overall um, for the, the NFL and the different signings. So, yeah, I've got a couple of questions. And yep. I'll, I'll, I'll start with my first question. Tyreek Hill... Trade. Yep. Who wins it? Do we think this makes the Dolphins really contenders now? Uh, I think the Dolphins win that trade because the Chiefs probably could have gotten more. So I think in the immediate term for this season, the Dolphins win. I think long term, the the Chiefs win. Yep. Um, And they've got Patrick Mahomes as well. Now, does it make the Dolphins contenders? Not in and of itself. I think with the other moves they've been making, it can. However, 
obviously a very unpopular coaching change mm-hmm. uh, for them. Uh, I do like their new coach. Offensive-minded. Yeah, yeah. And I think he's he's better suited. However, the strength of the Dolphins has been their defense under Brian Flores. So it's going to be a massive change for them. And how can Mike McDaniel utilize the defense pieces? I don't. The defense won't be as good yeah. anymore. Yeah. Um, so if the Dolphins are going to be a contender this year is the year. It has to be this year. Yeah. has to be this year that they make the playoffs. If they can't make the playoffs this year, something's wrong with Tua yeah. and they have to go out. And then, then they've stuffed themselves with draft capital. It is a little bit. I think this is the year you're going to realize is Tua your guy. Yeah. And it's good. Like, some point you've got to do that. You've got to go... Yeah. We've given you the best opportunity. You're in the best place. You know, this is what's is, it, is this his third year now? Uh, yes. Yes. This is going to be your third year coming in. We've given yep. you a couple of years to get you find your feet. Now you've got these weapons. If it doesn't work out, yeah, we've got to go elsewhere. And again, it exactly. may it, it won't be in the draft. Like with all the all the efforts, they'll go out and find someone. Yeah. You know. But I think that's that's a good, it's a good move for the Dolphins. The Dolphins needed more. Yep. They need they weren't going to win with what they had a championship, and I think they needed and to it, do something for, for for the Chiefs. It works out as well because of the Devonte Adams deal. And Chiefs fans out there that are listening to the podcast, I know who you are. <laughs> they will say how much that trade completely stuffed the Chiefs' offseason plans because that was such a huge amount of money for Adams that other wide receivers want that money now, and that would have completely ruined uh, the. Uh, what is it, the salary cap for, Chiefs, for the Chiefs yeah. to give him a Holmes' contract, even though it's sort of backloaded. But, yeah, the, it still makes it difficult. So it, it clears a lot of space for the Chiefs to be able to maybe sign some more free agents or draft more players and things like that. And now we'll go on to my Matty Ice, Matty yep. Ryan to the Colts. Now, as a Falcons fan, I'm actually happy with Eric. And everyone's going to, you know, there was a lot of complaints, $40 million of dead, dead money. We... We're never in a position where, like, again, I said it all last year, it was surprising that we were playing meaningful yep. football as late as we got. It was going to be the same again, if not worse, with Matty Ryan even at, back at, mm-hmm. as, as a quarterback. So what's that extra $8 million we were going to end up paying him going to anyway? We He had a no-trade clause, so we got the best we could have got, even yep. if we pushed for a second round. The Colts should have never done a second round. You, you, That's they, their highest draft pick this year because they gave their <laughs> other one away to the Eagles. So I, I kind of go... I don't think we're going to get any better. I don't think we did. We did right by the guy that we've always has been there for so long. Yeah. You know, been there for fourteen odd years. We did everything right as well as we could when we were in so much trouble. You know, we're still four million over the cap with two recent signings of uh, Patterson and Eric Harris. So I'm like, we're in a position pretty much where we were last year. You know, like going in this year, if it yeah. was Matty Ryan or Marcus Mariota, we're in the similar position. I was happy with it. I was like, it was it was time. It was all pointing towards it. Go and try and win a, a chip, and I'll be I'll be a Detroit Lions fan supporting Matty Ryan if he does. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to be bitter about it. Yeah, it's the best fit for the whole the whole both teams. I yeah, think yeah. worked out for the best. So that was just me as a Falcons perspective on it. Um, but yes, any other football news that you have? You uh, no, not not really news. Um, just a lot of rumors at the moment, but can't really put any stock by rumors. Yeah. Um, Malik Willis is looking really good. The Steelers like him a lot, but a lot of other teams like him a lot. So this draft is full of uncertainty. It's going to be because so interesting. Yeah, because, because, you know, who knows what's going to happen with quarterbacks and things like that and how they evaluate talent. So uh, we'll see. Um, Mike Tomlin had an interview today or yesterday where he basically said 
just because we've got three quarterbacks in the books doesn't mean we can't draft one. Mm-hmm. And he said that it's the same for every position. Just because we've gone out and gotten people in free agency or drafted in the past doesn't mean any position is safe. So, um, which I think is really smart. So the Steelers are in a good position where they can draft a quarterback in the first round if one falls to them um, and be happy that they, they got one um, of, of the two that they really like. I think maybe three. I don't. There's some, some mock drafts I sit out there where they're getting like... Uh, Sam Howell or Matt Coral in the first round. And I'm like, I don't think that's plausible. I think those guys will last the second round. Yeah. I don't think they would use a first round pick on either of those guys. I think the only two quarterbacks they would use a first round pick on would be Willis or Pickett. Um, so I'm yeah. so interested in this draft. It's it's one of those drafts like in the past you've been able to kinda yeah. kinda know where the draft board's sitting. You're not gonna have too many surprises. You've got like one yeah. position that's gonna be a surprise, maybe like last year were the Falcons gonna trade out of four yeah. ended up picking. This year I'm like Man, I don't even know what we're going to do at eight. Like, yep. I'm like, fuck, we could pick up Malik Willis, like, pretty easily. Like, wouldn't be surprised. We yeah. could also go so many different directions, so many good talents. It's, it is going to be an unreal yeah. draft. I think you guys need, for, for, as, as looking at the Falcons, you need to get a position other than quarterback this year and then get a quarterback next year. Oh, yeah. I, I think we. But that's what, that's what Steelers fans are saying as well. Get some other talent this year, quarterback next year, when there's a deeper quarterback draft. Definitely. And I think we need an edge rusher. We, yeah. we need an edge rusher. We need someone who's going to be able to put pressure on the quarterback and help, help Grady dare it. So, again, a lot to happen still in this NFL. And we'll mm-hmm. probably be very excited after the draft and with, yeah. a lot, with, with, with that. And we may just do a full podcast on the draft, depending on what's happening now else in the world, but it may be spent quite a lot talking about the draft. But we'll finish off just a little bit. Formula One, Saudi Arabia was uh, this morning uh, a win by Max Verstappen in the closing laps uh, to win win the Grand Prix. Overtook uh, Charles Leclerc, but Ferrari still looking quick, second and third. Red Bull one and fourth, got rid of their their issues. Unfortunately, Danny Rick didn't make it to the end, retired a bit early. Mm -hmm. But it is exciting because next week it is Australia... It is here in Melbourne, um, not here, but in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, and so hopefully Danny Rick can, can get a big performance. First time in two years, maybe three years. Why? 2020, 21. Yeah, so 2019 would have been the last one, I believe. No, maybe 2020. Yeah. For a while. Um, so hopefully, hopefully we can get Danny Rick uh, to get some points and McLaren to get on the board. Other than that, that is the sporting week yep. that we just went through. Uh, let us know your thoughts, especially around the Super Rugby we just chatted about. What 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 changes you'd make if there's any changes there uh, that that we talked about that were good, that were shit, uh, that had room for improvement. Yep. Thank you for listening to the episode number fourteen, where Luke counted uh, all of his chickens far too early and got slapped in the face. See you later. Peace. Woo!